Hello, and welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm one of your hosts, Ardena Osman, here with my friend, Chavruta Aaron Gordon. Our daf today, Masachet Yavamot, daf chet, page eight. The Gemara here is basically working with an assumption that all other arayas, right? We have this specific araya that's mentioned in the discussion of Yibum about a wife's sister. And the idea is, is that the wife be permitted, but the brother's wife is a araya that Yibum sort of lifts the prohibition against. And so they're discussing sort of this whole case of the wife's sister. And this has been going on for a few dappen. And so one of the things they want to examine or explore using the psukim a little bit is, when we have this specific mention of the wife's sister, right, is the idea to say that the wife's sister is an exception to itself, or is it supposed to be sort of the stand-in case for all other arayas? So, says to okay, now, all the other arayas, they can all be understood with a hekesh to the brother's wife, which is basically the Araya that's permitted because of isha, But they also could be compared to with a Hekesh to the wife's sister, which is forbidden in the Yibum setting. In other words, you have two, two Araya that are specifically mentioned in the Torah itself. The Araya of the brother's wife, which Yibum makes a special exception for and says, okay, that Arab is going to be permitted. And then you have the case of the wife's sister, which the Torah goes out of its way to say it's never permitted, even in a case of Yibam. And so Rav Acha all the other Arayos, which case do you connect them to? Do you say that it really, they all are actually similar to the case of the brother's wife and they would be permitted in a Yibam setting? Or do you say, no, it's like the case of the wife's sister and they're never even permitted even in a Yibam setting? Chazik, uh, so sorry, so it goes on and says, um, uh, sorry, so it says, my Chazik Isha. So, what do you see that basically says that you compare the Hekesh to the wife's sister and continue to say that it's a sore even in a Yibum sitter, in, in a Yibum setting? Maybe just compare it to the Esharach, and actually it would be allowed in a Yibum setting. And that's the setup of the question. And I think this is a great question in terms of. Midrash halacha, right? How do we know sometimes which case to link other cases to, right? How do we know that you link it to the Asur case or to the Mutar case, especially when you have an option here? And so Ravina gives two answers here. If you want to say, right? That when you have to apply the concept of a Hekesh, right, to either make a leniency or a stringency, so we're going to make the hekesh an astringency, meaning you do have two options here. You could say everything is lakula, meaning all the other arayas are going to be permitted in a yibum setting, except for the, and the exception is the wife's sister, and that means it's really lakula, right? It's more lenient. Or you could say you know it, you want to make everything be lachumra and make all the other arayas connected to the wife's sister, and say that even in a case of yibum, it's still going to be asur. And so the conclusion is, yeah, you always should make it go, better to be stringent. But if you want, you could say, that, in the, that here, right, in the case of a, uh, of a Yavama, who's also the wife's sister, there are two prohibitions, basically, against uh, taking her, right? Because she's in the category of a brother's wife, and she's in the category of the wife's sister. And so you would have to have both of those prohibitions be lifted, in order for the Yibum to take place. 
right? Utre mitare yaplinai. And therefore, we basically derive this law about this case with two prohibitions from one with another two prohibitions. But here in the case, the regular case of a brother's wife, there's only one prohibition. And we wouldn't derive the law about a case of two prohibitions with the case of one prohibition. So that basically what we're saying is as though hekesh is usually what we do when even when the cases aren't totally the same, right? Since here we have, we could use the hekesh to link the arayos to women who are basically the same, right? The Yavama, who's a wife's sister, right? It wouldn't be right for us to use the link to a, to a woman who's the brother's wife because that's the case that's permitted. In other words, we should use the hekesh better to make, it makes more sense to use the hekesh to a case of what's not permitted because these generally are things that are not permitted as opposed to making the hekesh to something that is actually uh, that is actually the that that's actually the exception. So you know, Ravina sort of wants to because it's really a good question that Ravacha is asking, right? He's saying like, how do you know what you're supposed to do with the other arayos? And Ravina basically is able to give two answers to say, you can't really link it to the case of the brother's wife. That's really the exceptional case, either because we're going to say it's a leniency case and we shouldn't really try to be lenient here. Or because why would you link it to the case that's really the exception and not the case that's really sort of more uh, more the standard? And I think it's teaching us. So, first of all, I think this discussion is interesting because we're seeing a lot with this uh, with Yibum, with this, you know, with this particular Masachet, sort of the intricacies of how Midrash Halakha works. How do we connect cases? How do we learn one thing from another? And I think we're also really starting to see how exceptional Yibum was. It's really an exceptional mitzvah. It's taking something that is normally completely asur and saying in this very, very, very specific circumstance, we're going to allow something that is normally asur to be mutar. And we have to really limit that. And Anne, as you're going to go on to describe, the limitation is so much that it even gets limited to co-wives and co-wives of co-wives. Like It's almost like we have to go out of our way to really limit it. Because one of the points that's going to be made later on is that when it's not a Yibum situation, the co-wife of a co-wife is actually Mutar. So almost in a way, we end up being like really stricter just to allow the possibility of the case of Yibum. So I think it's really interesting how, I, I was not expecting this about Yivamot, but what it's doing is, on the one hand, of course, we're learning the, the cases and the issues of Masachi Yivamot, but also because it's such classical Gemara, in terms of the the logic and the inferences and so on, so we we get to see, you know, what's what's a normal Gemara interpretation? How is the logic going to when we talk about let's say Gemara logic, right? How is it going to be applied? Um, and in that case, it becomes the whole Masachet, or at least these passages become like more like a case study, as so to speak, as opposed to just diving in for the content. So I appreciate that meta side of it as well. Um, I want to keep going, not so, you know, right, basically right after where you've left off. And we're going to go, I'm going to get us to talking about the co-wives. First, though, the Gemara is going to reject or at least suggest a contradiction to the statement made by Rava. The Gemara says, Tashma, Rebbe Omer Vilakach, Ulkacha, Vibem, Vibma, no, Vibma, that's like a little bit of a hard word to say, La Sorts Arod Varayot. So the Gemara quotes Rebbe, Rebbe being Rebbe Yudanasi. He says, we've got a whole other proof 
that's going to establish the the way the person who is in an an Arayot dynamic and an Arayot relationship and the co-wife. I've seen co-wife also translated as rival wife, right? This word that is sarot, right? The 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 polygamous situation of two wives married to one man, right? So the the co-wife, the rival wife, whatever, um, why she would be prohibited. Namely, so let's take it back to the verse. The verse says in Devarim, Deuteronomy chapter 25, verse 5, right? We've got two brothers. They dwell together, whatever this means. One dies. He has no child. Meaning her Yavam. Let me re, let me go back and translate. Um, this woman, the wife of the widow of the dead man, doesn't should not go to marry a strange man, meaning somebody who's not from within this family. Rather, her Yavam will come to her, meaning to sleep with her, and will marry her, as a wife, and it will be considered, I don't know, yibum, right? Meaning that's that's the whole definition. That's the verse that gives us yibum to begin with. But the Gemara here wants to be very careful about these words when it says, right? It says, um, it doesn't say, it doesn't say, and he takes, and he takes, right? Rather it says he takes, her. It doesn't say via beam and he'll do yibum. It's, there's again what he'll do love right marriage, whatever. Via it says explicitly he will do yibum to her, with her, whatever the I'm not sure that two is the right preposition here, right? With her, for her, um, maybe for her is best. And then the implication is that because the verse itself is so specific about her, meaning her, this specific woman, as opposed to anybody else, let's say, right? Right? Meaning he marries this, or he does yibum for this specific woman, not some other woman who might be forbid, forbidden to him. And therefore, so when it says um, that they have this love right marriage, right? Th- what it does, what th- these additions, it could have just said, and he takes her, he doesn't, to ma- in marriage, right? He doesn't have to say he takes her, could have just said, so therefore, the Gemara wants to say, to prohibit Tzarot Va'areot. It's going to come to prohibit those co-wives, right? How is it that the co-wives ever end up being prohibited from the external relationship to begin with? And of course, other Arayot. So then the Gemara is going to take this further. Ema, Arayot. So what this means then is, not meaning the Gemara wants to rephrase to prohibit co-wives and illicit sexual relations, to say to prohibit the co-wives of those for whom the there was an illicit sexual relationship. Meaning, so for example, let's say somebody who is prohibited to you has a co-wife, but that co-wife really should be nothing to you. But according to this, the girl will say, well, that the very dynamic of of this whole Yibum story comes to add an additional prohibition to that co-wife against whoever was got, who's against whoever's got a a prohibition with regard to the co-wife to the other co-wife meaning we've got A and B right so let's say you say we're going to prohibit B well we're going to prohibit B because of the relationship with A not because of anything about B herself vaha tre cry kan lay so then the Gemara says 
Well, one second. We have two different proofs that are coming from one verse. That's going to be a little bit of a tricky thing. Why? Right? We're talking about the um, both the fact of um, and right? We have two words that are now supposed to teach technically two things, right? One is for the Arayot and one is for the one is for the Sarot. So then how can you put them together in this way? That doesn't quite work. My love, Chad Erva v'chad so then you should say one one of those words is going to teach us the issue with arayot, the illicit sexual relations people, and one of them should be teaching us the prohibition against the co-wives. Why would you say the co the arayot of the co-wives? It seems to take it a step further. So the man doesn't like this. Lo, edi ve'edi letzara. Both of these, both sources, both of these verses, both the terms in the verse, both of them are. To talk to teach us about the co-wife. So this is, I think, also very interesting. It says, no, we need both of the verses. Why? Because one of them is going to come to prohibit the co-wife in a situation of yibum, right? Meaning where yibum applies, then the co-wife becomes prohibited, right? <clears throat> um, and one to allow the co-wife in a place where you, in a situation where you don't have any mitzvah. Meaning, let's say the man dies and they did have children. So there is no situation of yibum. And there's a co-wife who can marry that co-wife. Again, that co-wife is not is not um, included in this prohibition. I, I've made this example up. I'm not sure that the example itself will hold up, but for the sake of it, right? The situation of somebody being permitted, right? Meaning, if you have a co-wife, um, to one of the people who is is a uh, an arayot in an arayot situation, right? Then let's say then her husband dies, and then theoretically he can marry her, you know, free and clear. It's not it's no longer going to be an issue because the only reason she was prohibited was because she was a pro a co wife, and the extra um, the extra pro prohibition that is learned in the context of Yibum doesn't kick in. My Thomas. So the Quran's going to ask, and this is really where I wanted to get to in terms of the co-wives. What is the reason? What is the basis for all of this? Vibem vibma. When it said, when the when the Torah says to consummate, right, to have this yibum take go into effect, but instead of saying vibem, it says vibma, right? This word that I'm having difficulty pronouncing. But makom yibum hud asirit sarah shlobe makom yibum. Shariat Sarah. So this is straight up, right? Exactly what we've just said before. In a place of yibum, that's where the co-wife gets prohibited. And a case of no yibum, that's where she would be permitted. And so the the Rav Ashi says that the Mishnah, that Mishnah that we saw at the beginning of all of this, right, was very careful in but lining up with Rava, Rava that Yardina that you um, explained. Why does it fit so carefully? And this is exactly what you said. We've got these 15 women that exempt, and we talked about the language of exempt, potro, right? That they exempt the co-wives, and they're as opposed to the ilu lokatani shmamina. So what happens? It doesn't say um the co 
these women exempt their co-wives and they exempt their like anybody following right there's no there's no follow-up to the exemption it's very specific to these people meaning these are the people these are the women who themselves would have been uh, forbidden in a forbidden situation but we don't take it further beyond that particular explicit statement you know, from the Mishnah, let's say, right? Meaning, we don't then take it farther to say, "Are they gonna?" What did you say you're doing? That they're gonna, they're gonna, the co-wives of the co-wives. We don't go that far, and so therefore, the Gemara says, after all of this, you know, attempt to reject Rava, the Gemara comes back and says, "Ah, Shmamina, we're gonna learn from this that in fact Rava's position about the precision here was correct." Meaning, let's take that the Gemara went through this process of let's take that biblical verse and analyze it and figure out how Rava was wrong. Nope, we couldn't do it. Rava, in fact, is right. Of course, the Gemara goes on for the next Amud and probably the next Dapim, you know, com- coming up, um, talking about, you know, you know pr- probing this to see exactly how far these different forbidden relationships uh, will go and including with the co-wives. But for this, I, th- I thought it was, you know, both interesting and important follow-up to your data, what you were saying, but, and also I think helps us kind of understand or define the, the narrow scope of these co-wives, the, the prohibition against the marriage of the co-wives as well. So I, I think I want to conclude with this comment, which is now I understand why the Mishnah starts where it starts. Ibum is really, it's an exceptional exception. I mean, the fact that that relationship is allowed at all is pretty amazing. And so therefore, I think almost in a way to make clear how exceptional it is and Ohio still need to be treated very seriously. That's why the Mishnah and then the Gemara really start with a deep dive into what is still a sore, like what is still not allowed? Because I think it's a way of a, you know, again, emphasizing the really great exception of Yibam and B to sort of keep reminding us like, don't think this is going to apply to anything else. And not only is it not going to apply in anything else, actually, in the case of Yibum, there may be some additional restrictions that don't apply anywhere else. Because why not? Well, no, well, I'm kidding. Because I, I think it, it wants to emphasize to you, like, what an exception is, and don't take that lightly. Don't think it's right. going to allow you to do anything else. And I would say that it also emphasizes a whole other value, which we haven't talked that much about at all, namely the continuing the name of the brother who died. Yes, I think we're going to end up getting to that later. But right now, that's not the emphasis. It's really about what's allowed and what's not allowed. Well, that's our DAP discussion for the day. Rank us, review us on all major podcasts. Thank you to Reverend Michelle Barber for hosting us on the Hadron website. Let us know what you thought about this DAP on our Talking Town with Facebook page. And until tomorrow, go and learn. 